0: Jason, and welcome to Stand By for Paradise. There is an old joke about who in Europe has what job in heaven or in hell. The blessed have the Swiss to run their rails, and the damned have to put up with the Germans for police. Though the Italians are responsible for the menu in paradise, as the story goes, they run the trains in hell. On my first trip to Italy, I wondered how true this could really be. Was it possible that a people who built an empire to run the world really had trouble running a railroad? It didn't seem likely that those who gave us the espresso machine, a fabulously expensive and medically precise instrument dedicated to minute and exacting changes in pressure, temperature and time, were unable to get trains to arrive at cities when they were expected. I pondered this as I sat in a nearly empty train car sliding through the south of Germany. At that point though, I hadn't been to Italy just yet. Late winter snows still capped the peaks of the Alps as we neared the northern end of the Goddard base tunnel. Spring was creeping up the slopes though and the lakes were already a vibrant blue that whispered of the unsurpassed charms of the coming alpine summer. I was beginning to wonder if I should change my plans of leaving Europe so soon, when the enchanting vision of the mountains dotted with tiny Swiss chalets vanished into impermeable darkness. We had entered the longest rail tunnel in the world, and there was not even a light along the sides to show we were still moving. The wind outside changed pitch, and I looked at the rail magazine hanging from the hook on the wall in front of me. It began swaying and shuddering to suggest alarming, unseen speed. We were plunging under the mountain at a frightening pace, and only going faster the further we dove. Just as suddenly as we left the north of the Alps, my train blasted out into the sun-drenched south of Switzerland the names of the towns were the first indication Italy was just around the corner. After turning past Bassia and Bellinzona, we eased to a stop amid the Hollywood beautiful buildings of Lugano. We were to stop for only eight minutes on the platform. I was tempted to get out and look around if only for a moment, but something told me stepping off the train would be perilous. Lugano was a place I would never want to leave and could not possibly afford. Who would not risk becoming penniless though for a chance to live even for a moment among these picturesque buildings with their potted palm trees falling away into Lago di Lugano and the mountains of Northern Italy beckoning across the water. My hand clenched around the strap of my backpack. It would take nothing to step off and let the rest of my ticket go unused to the end of the line. I mean, palm trees, in Switzerland. Who knew? Soon enough, my torment was over. The doors closed and the train slid away south toward Milan. I was soon to be in Italy, and the welcome was exactly what I should have expected. A German train station, or at least the one German train station I had been in the most, a thing of impersonal and mechanical perfection whatever humanity you possess can wait until you are outside or in the company of friends otherwise it is only people walking quickly the reverberations of platform loudspeakers and the gravelly rattle of luggage wheels this is what i naively expected when we pulled into milano centrale looking overhead as we slid alongside the platform the high arching metalwork and dull orange of opaque glass in the ceiling looked like other stations I had seen so far in Europe. Whatever might be different about this place was not obvious yet. Sealed in my train, I was not really in Italy though. That transition would happen moments later when I stepped onto the platform. The first thing that hit me was the noise. It came on a tide of tobacco-scented air that waited at the first step onto the platform. Everyone, everywhere, was talking. Into cell phones, at each other, at the rail workers, to no one in particular. It was a wall of sound, and over it the chiming of the PA system and announcements of platform changes and delays. In Frankfurt, everyone walked briskly and seemed to be keeping to invisible lanes. Here, it was a roiling sea of black wool coats and oversized sunglasses. Everyone was swaying and bumping and dodging around one another. A comically stereotypical Italian woman with curling black hair shouldered her way through the crowd carrying a huge warming tray of pasta, the food just visible through the stretched plastic wrap covering the tub. I almost laughed out loud as she drove her tray of pasta through the crowd like the prow of an icebreaker, a resolute carrier of carbs sailing toward her train. Finally reaching the head of the platform, I paused for a moment in an attempt to take it all in. People were arranged in semicircles in front of the giant departure boards, all looking up at the destinations and times, all talking on their phones, and all smoking. I was surrounded in a sea of immaculate shoes and expensive haircuts, enormous sunglasses, and a saucy tilt of the hips to indicate there were far better things to do in life than stare at a board to find your next train. The women adopted a similar attitude as well. After a few minutes, I sauntered over to join one of these semicircles of prospective passengers all looking upward. My train was in a half an hour and I wanted to be sure not to miss it. Scanning the board for my ride to Florence, I watched as the names flipped over, cycling through every tantalizing city name I had ever heard of in Italy. There was only one problem. There was no train to Florence. I looked at the time on my phone, checked my ticket app and then looked at the board again there was no train to Florence. A queasy sense of unease began to rise inside. I have been stranded and stuck in a few corners of the world, and Milan would certainly not be the worst place to spend an unexpected night. That said, I knew a charming Airbnb was waiting for me in Florence, and I had booked the final Frecciarossa express train of the day. That is, if it existed at all. I cursed these blasted Italians for living up to their billing. This was to be my first train in Italy, and worse than being late, it didn't appear to exist at all. I stalked up and down the platform. Every departure board read through the list of cities. Florence was nowhere to be found. Walking past track 10, I saw what looked like my train, but I could not be sure. The sleek, modern, bullet-nosed train certainly looked the part, but there was no destination on the sign. We were now 20 minutes to departure. At the end of the platform against the dark stones and metal stood a cheery, bright red information booth. It looked a little like the psychiatrist's booth from a Peanuts cartoon, somewhat out of place in the industrial cavern around it. In front of the red banner stood a long line of disgruntled would-be travelers, all of them prodded at their phones or gestured while talking into them. Two people sat behind the counter, but everyone was lined up in front of one hapless attendant. I stood hopelessly at the side of the line. There was no way I would get to the front of that queue in 20 minutes, and no guarantee they would be able to tell me anything about my phantom train. Apparently, I looked just helpless enough. The man behind the counter who was not being harangued looked sleepily at the line, and instead of motioning the next candidate forward, pointed to me and waved me to the head of the queue. I hustled past the angry looks of the people in line and dropped my bags in front of the counter. "'What do you need?' the man asked in a rolling and unhurried voice. "'My train isn't showing on the board,' I explained. "'Where are you going? Let me see,' he said, motioning for me to hand over my phone. He took only a second then handed my phone back with a dismissive wave. Bah! Of course you don't see it. This is not for half an hour. The signs only show the next ten minutes, he said with an easy smile. I was floored. Coming from the planned out predictability of Japanese or German railways, this was insanity. Looking back at the circles of people under the signs, the picture came together, though I could hardly say it made sense. The speakers chimed and all the boards updated, setting off a wild scrum as the waiting masses now discovered their train's locations. With only a few moments to spare, the people in front of track two began hustling toward the higher numbers, and those waiting in front of track 12 fought their way back down toward the single digits. I stood against the back wall and laughed to myself. So this was Italy. In front of me, waves of people crashed and melded into one another as the last minute updates sent crowds scattering to catch their trains. The trailing suitcases of crossing passengers collided with one another. Women pulled hard at cigarettes, then flung them away as they sprinted off in heels to the other end of the world. Men who had been talking together as they watched the boards kept up their conversations even as they walked in opposite directions Voices would rise and arch to reach one another over the increasing crowd between them. Hand gestures were added for effect to launch out the last words thrown across three tracks. At last, my train to Florence flipped into sight on the board. Sure enough, the deep maroon missile oozing an air of speed was my train. Smiling at all the madness, I waded through the crossing currents of travelers and found my way to my seat in second class. We pulled away from Milano Centrale at a sedate pace. I had been on the Shinkansen bullet train from Tokyo to Yokohama earlier that year and wondered whether riding the Frecciarossa would be a similar experience that brought you gently up to blinding speeds without your really realizing it. Of course, it was not. As soon as we had cleared the city center, the conductor mashed on the gas and we rocketed forward with abandon. Business colleagues left their seats and stood chatting in the aisle. Phones were deployed everywhere. Anyone not on a phone began talking to their seatmates. It felt more like sitting in a packed cafe than on a train bolting through the countryside at 220 kilometers an hour, lunging into corners that had likely been designed for trains moving at half that speed. Perhaps it should be no surprise that a country known for both the sublime and the ridiculous, the Ferrari and the Naples garbage worker strikes, would have a chronically late rail system and also operate the fastest trains in Europe. I pulled out my laptop to peck out a few emails. Dropping the tray table from the seat in front of me, I had to laugh. Though my train was shuddering and zooming along with a sense of speed and danger, that could only be Italian. And though I felt I had barely escaped the madness of the chaotic station platform, the ergonomics of this little tray and my little seat were perfect. This seat was more comfortable to work from than almost any office desk I had ever sat in front of. I could work from here for hours. As the conversation swelled around me, and I eased into the flow of work, I realized maybe it wasn't so bad if the trains were always late after all. This is Standby for Paradise, a little show made by me, Jason Fleming. You can read the full text of each episode as well as see pictures from these stories at standbyforparadise.com. If you like the show, please share it with someone. If you love the show, You can support it on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.